The delicious beverage I'm drinking right now is a Melon Grass CBD Sparkling Water by Wild Being Brewery. This is one of the best CBD drinks I've ever tasted with a perfect sweetness of watermelon mixed with herbal citrus hints of lemongrass. I love drinking CBD drinks, especially at night, because they help me sleep and I wake up rested the next day. Wellbeing also offers a wide variety of wheat, IPA, dark amber ale, and stout beers that I encourage every non-alcoholic drinker to try because they are without a doubt some of the best non-alcoholic beers on the planet. Hi everyone, I'm Marco Salazar and welcome to the Four Old Drinks podcast, your place for discovering delicious non-alcoholic beer, wine, spirits, mocktails, and more for leading a fun, healthy, and inclusive lifestyle. On today's episode, we'll be chatting with the maker of these tasty beverages, Jeff Stevens, founder of Wellbeing Brewery. Founded in 2017, Wellbeing is one of the first breweries solely dedicated to making delicious craft non-alcoholic beers for health-conscious individuals, expectant parents, designated drivers, and anyone who wants to participate fully in fun and still feel good the next day. Thank you so much for joining us today. When you meet Jeff, the first thing you'll notice is that he's just really cool. You'll definitely think to yourself, I want to have a beer with this guy and just hang out with him. In a really fun discussion, we get into the origin story of Wellbeing Brewery, his journey from working in the alcohol beverage industry and how this sparked the idea for Wellbeing, how the NA beer industry is using new methods and technologies to develop some of the best tasting beers in the world, why Jeff decided to become a non-alcoholic, as well as insights and trends into where the non-alcoholic beer and overall non-alcoholic beverage industry is heading in the future. Let's get started. Hey, Jeff, welcome to the For All Drinks podcast. Marcos, it's such a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm super excited to chat with you today because not only do you have what people describe as one of the best lines of non-alcoholic beers on the market, but you also recently expanded your product line by releasing a new line of CBD sparkling water. So to kick it off, I'd love for you to just share where did the idea of well-being come from? Yes, the whole brand itself. We launched in 2018. We started in 2017. I think the original conversation was in 2016. I think of myself as this person who's a non-alcoholic. I've been a long-time non-drinker, but I was always in the beer marketing business. So I always had an affinity for non-alcoholic beers. I used to be a creative director. I was with some of my creative friends in London one time, and, and somebody asked that question, why are there no good non-alcoholic beers? And it was this profound, it, it was a, like, I didn't have an answer. I have no idea. There's a million good craft beers. Why is there nothing in the NA space? And I think that moment was when well-being was born, and the brand uh, itself fell out of this, this big idea that I had if you're in recovery and you're in the space we're in, you get on the road to happy destiny, man. Somehow you get a spiritual kind of program. And I think that's when you stop drinking, you got to find some things in your life that have meaning. And this idea of getting to well-being certainly was a powerful one. And so you mix this world of recovery and awesome NA beer. And that's exactly what we came up with was Wellbeing Brewing Company. Yeah. And I love you sharing how you came up with the name. And I think you pointed out something really fascinating, which is Probably for a decade or maybe even two, this whole craft beer movement happened, but nothing happened in the non-alcoholic beverage space. Yeah, isn't that strange? So, And I don't think anyone ever questioned it. Uh, I quit drinking in, in the 90s, 1992. And for the longest time, my entire career was it's Diet Coke, Old Coffee, Dusty, O'Doul's or Caliber if they had it. And that was literally your choice as a non-drinker. And no one ever questioned this idea of why isn't there anything good for non-drinkers? And then when this movement 
started happening. And I don't know if it was a lot of out loud recovery, a lot of people getting sober in the digital space. It started in Europe. There was some things, just macro trends with health and wellness and governments were saying, hey, I think we're drinking too much as a society. Maybe we ought to start looking at this. And all these trends started converging to where it, it became silly that so many people going out in social situations that weren't drinking were being radically underserved with what the market was. And and once we all caught on to that, it was like, let's go make some great drinks and products. I can tell you that one of the reasons probably was non-alcoholic beer is kind of tricky to make. Really good non-alcoholic beer is tricky to make. So I think that held the industry back to start, but it's certainly changed now. And I think the technology is there and the, the beers I've been tasting, it, including my own, I, I think are great. I really like what's out there. Yeah, I think I'll take a step back. Yeah. I think you pointed out that there were all these factors coming into play. Mm -hmm. And it just seems like this is the perfect time for this non-alcoholic beverage movement to really take off. Yeah, when we started in the U.S., it had been bubbling up in the U.K. Germany certainly had some good N.A. stuff. But over here, we were probably a year behind those trends. But you could see it coming. It made a lot of sense. Health and wellness was a big deal. When we started, we were the first out there selling it to retailers and consumers. They're like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? They couldn't conceive of why we're doing this. And three short years later, everyone is totally on board. We have we now own a month at retail in January. We have all these things that have just happened. So the timing was definitely right. And what you said about non-alcoholic beer being a little bit tricky to make. Can you it share is. a little bit about what that means? Because it's yeah. not as if you're just removing the alcohol. Right. It's a little bit more uh, intense than that. It is. And and when you get into this, you could see why that was a big barrier to entry of why there might not have been good craft NA beers for a long time, as there were really great craft alcohol beers. It's just hard to make. So the traditional way of making it is you can either stop the fermentation. So the beer does not actually ferment, no alcohol is created, but then you the whole point of brewing is to have the fermentation and that's what happens, that's the process. So you're left with kind of a warty beer where nothing is fermented and it's sweet and you can taste it or you can boil the alcohol off and there's a lot of problems with that um, to where the beer gets scorched, it doesn't taste good. So those are the two big things. There were some technologies that were expensive. We invested in the Cadillac of of dealcoholization to start with us. And that's what we just crossed our fingers and hope this would work, went down that path. But our method makes really good beer. We basically fully ferment the beer, put it in a vacuum, lower the boiling point and take the alcohol out at room temperature so the beer's not ruined. And it all the mouthfeel and flavor and aroma is captured and dosed back into the beer. But there's lots of people now doing all kinds of ways to make beer. And so it's all these different methods are being used to uh, make these beers, and they all have different tastes and styles, just like the craft brewing market. So it's awesome um, to just see everything that's out there. So you're saying, just so I can get clear on this, is that there isn't one standard way of making non-alcoholic beer. There's People are just experimenting and doing yep. lots of different things. Yep, that's exactly right. And they all have different profiles and tastes and pluses and minuses. I think, obviously, as the person doing it our way, I think ours really holds up well. And I'm glad to hear you said at the top of the show that we have a reputation of having great beer. And I taste that when I taste our beer. I'm like, yeah, it's really good. But just as there's so many different styles in the craft beer market, yeah, there's a lot of experimenting going on there, which is great. That's really fun. And I think there's all kinds of ways that traditional ideas of beer, just as they have been stretched and, and pulled in alcohol brewing, I think we're going to see the same thing in the NA space. And there's just going to be an, a lot of really amazing, interesting products coming out in the future. So that's great. And how did you decide on your first style of beer? 
At the beginning, 2017, we we're like, we just need to make beer that's better than O'Doul's. Let's just make a beer that's better than O'Doul's. So yeah. we wanted to start with a simple beer, and we wanted to start with if you wanted to throw a fastball, you'd start with a lager or a wheat beer and throw and just have a really great beer. And so that was our first beer. And the I still you know can remember distinctly that beer coming off the line. They pull it from you. They like take a little hose and put some in a glass and let you taste it. And I knew right away that first taste that we had found something. It was dry, crisp, brewed, smooth, all the things that that I think with all the original beers, brewers talk about these products having a B note. They always have an off flavor to them because of all the ways that NA had to be made. But I think the new ways, those B notes, ours don't, we just don't have that. It tastes like beer. We started simple and then it was just walking people who don't drink into the craft beer category. That's like, we did this one, and then we did a coffee stout, then we did an IPA, and just bringing people along the same journey that craft beer went through. And you led me into my next question, which is, how was the response when you released it, and how you brought those people into the NA market? So we didn't know how this would go over. We made the first batch and just gave it the whole thing away, dropped it off at every store, gave it to whoever wanted it just to try it, just to say, you got to try this stuff because I know NA has this reputation. <laughs> you walk in and, and talk to a retailer four years ago about non-alcoholic beer and they're like, yeah, I don't know. We It's been around for 30 years. It's this size. It's not moved anywhere. It's the same exact products that I've had bringing in a whole craft brand that tastes really good and it's incredibly thoughtful. And we started with great beer and we ended up with great beer. Uh, it took a while, uh, but we just gave it away. And it proved to be the right thing to do because everybody who tried it ended up becoming a customer and we just built it from there. And how do you determine what other possible beers that you're going to be making? It's We're always in that there's so many different styles out there to start with. And so I think you try to figure out there's trends, there's interests, there's things that can actually be accomplished, there's things that you can do. So there's a million factors that go into what we're looking at. And then I think there's a portfolio of beers that your brand wants to represent and, and you want to have styles in these different uh, categories. I know for us, we've been looking at a bunch of different styles uh, for our next release and it takes forever and everyone's got an opinion on what we should be doing. And you're going to brew some and taste them. And it's the exciting part. It takes a while to get there, but uh, yeah, we're looking at all kinds of fun things. Awesome. And as part of that, you also branched out and I'd love to for you to share why you decided to do a CBD sparkling water. It's funny. And, and CBD is one of those interesting things. When you look at what the crap brewing explosion you can brew with everything. You can make all kinds of styles and put any kind of ingredients in craft. And so when you get on the well-being side of it, the actual things that are healthy, people choosing wellness, all the things that you could then put in uh, your beverages, CBD just seemed like a uh, natural thing for us to look at and put our dip our toe in the water in this market. I, I think it's an incredibly a valuable market. I think it's got a lot of efficacy. I think there's people that really swear by it. I think there's a real uh, well-being idea behind this stuff. And it seemed like in the middle of this, the world we live in with just the amount of daily fear and anxiety that's created out there, it seemed like a really nice product for the times. I'm a huge sparkling water fan. The sparkling water market just blew up as well as we were blowing up with the amount of flavors and everything. So this seemed like a really nice product for us. And so far, uh, so good. Yeah, we're very happy with it. Yeah. And it's so much aligned with your brand of well-being. Yeah. Um, what's been the response from bars or restaurants and how have they been responding to wanting to possibly put those on the menus? 
Uh, yeah, it's been strange. They, it's, it was a product that had been rolling out at bars and restaurants pre-COVID. There are quite a few brands out there that have just started this with the CBD sparkling waters. I think they were mostly being sold at bars and restaurants. So I think they were doing really well there. The few that have opened in St. Louis, the bars and restaurants are, and it's a daily thing of who's doing carry out, who's doing, it's been tough to really get a, an idea of how well this product's going to do. But that's what the product was originally for, is, I, is an on-premise play. We've done well in some lots of indie grocers and liquor stores here, and I've gotten it on shelf and it's sold really well. So far, so good as far as the response goes. And what about for beers? We've done really well with that. It, our business had, had been grocery stores to start with, and that was where most of the business was. And I think this is probably true with many drinks. You have to go deeper into every market to get into the bars and the restaurants. In St. Louis, that's where we started. So we always had really nice bars and restaurants. And that's just, those were all of our original customers and they all did really well. We've grown in tap in most of the places that we've been into, which is great. And for me, as a non-alcoholic drinker, when you can go into a bar and order a non-alcoholic beer on tap, it's pretty awesome as an experience for sure. So I love, I love that. But yeah, so far so good. I think people who put us on the menu and start to expand that space on a menu and start to offer three or four mocktails, three or four non-alcoholic beers, 30% of your customers aren't drinking. What you know, you're missing this. I think everyone is just, oh yeah, the light came on and said, these are people we're, we're, that want to, they want to spend money on cool things. Please help them. <laughs> and that's what we found. Absolutely. And I think with For All Drinks, one of the things we're going to be doing is advocating for more restaurants and bars to carry those products. But I think it's also consumers wanting, demanding that as well. It's very similar yeah. to vegan and gluten-free. And now it's just a given that those are going to be on the menu. And I think we need to advocate so that it's a given that tasting non-alcoholic beverages are on the menu. Yeah. And, and I'm exactly. This is exactly, you've probably seen this exact same thing that you're going into a bar, you're out with friends, they're all ordering something exciting. When it comes to you, you want to order something exciting. I don't want to order a Diet Coke. I don't want to order a old coffee. I don't want to order, I want something that's someone put some thought into and really made it tasty. And that's just, you know, exactly where we're at. And that's awesome. And I think bars and restaurants are, are really up for it. There's no downside for them to build awesome NA menus. Uh, it's all upside. Absolutely. And I think there's that other element where you not only want to not have something that doesn't taste good, but you also want to feel included and you want to have yeah. that experience. That's even a physical experience. You have something tasty yep. in your hand versus someone looking at you and be like, oh, I can't believe you're drinking that. Yeah, exactly. I was a non-drinker for a long time. I'd been in that situation a thousand times in my life. And that's why I drank non-alcoholic beer. It just allowed me to feel a little bit a part of what was going on. I, I had a beer in my hand and it was great and I felt included and I didn't have to explain myself. And even if it was an O'Doul's, for me, it just was easy to have a beer with people. And that's the connection. And that's what it's all about. That's the power of our product. And, and it's interesting you think about that uh, beyond the health and wellness of the physical product, beyond just removing alcohol, the whole idea of connection, it's like we, we don't get drunk and bond. We, get, we mindfully drink and get real with each other. And that connection with our products and having these products is, is what this movement's about. It really is. There's such a, that's such a power to it is the connection. And I think you point out something important and I've been having these discussions of 
it's ironic that we go out to restaurants and bars or even have celebrations and we celebrate it with a depressant or something <laughs> right. that actually numbs our mind right. and doesn't allow us to be present. But yeah. there's really all other kind, kind of religious and other elements that alcohol has been a part of our culture and our history. Sure. Yep. But I think it's also time where we can have something really tasty and also be able to stay present and, and make those connections like you pointed out. Yeah. Isn't that huge? It's it is really a transformational movement, a transformational moment that I think we find ourselves in. I appreciate exactly what you're doing. It helps everybody, and it's really fun to be a part of it. And it's exactly that. Yeah. And can you share a little bit about, I'd love to kind of take a step back and share a little bit about your background and where you grew up and where you're from and what were some of the experiences that you had in your younger years that have helped you in growing well-being? I'm from Denver, Colorado, so that's where I grew up. I was I'm a Western guy. You're a Western guy. That's cool. Yep. So that was my my childhood. I was it's funny. I am in recovery. I started drinking alcohol in my formidable years and just realized at, at about the age of 24 that this was not going to work for me. And as despite my trying and trying to make it work, it just wasn't. So uh, I quit drinking and a lot of what I then, you know, I quit drinking and got into the, ironically enough, my entire career was around the marketing and selling of alcohol products. So I was a creative director in an agency and my clients were Anheuser-Busch, Miller, Bacardi, William Grant, the biggest of the bigs. And so I learned the business and I love all the things that we talk about, the connection, the events, the parties, the concerts. I still went to all that stuff. I, that's what living is all about to me. It was always that. And yet when you're young and you don't drink, there's always this weird stigma. You always feel like your people are ordering drinks around you and you're not drinking. They're looking at you and you're like, am I ruining your good time? Is there? But I'm like, no, I'm not. I'll drink. I'll drink any beer and drive you home. I want to have just as good a time as you are. And yet if you didn't drink alcohol, there's this stigma that you're not there to have a good time. Something's wrong with you. And that's always the thing you're fighting as a non-drinker. Oh, I have a problem <laughs> because I'm not drinking. And it just couldn't be further from the truth because I want the same things everyone else does when they go out. I want to hear a great band. I want to you know, talk shit and whatever. It's just, that's it. So all those experiences led me to think there's not only can we go after the stigma of not drinking, but man, if we could bring a really great NA beer that the first one of the, the second brand we had is called Hellraiser. And, and is, as on the nose as it was, I wanted everyone to know when I ordered one, I'm here to Raise hell if that's what we're doing tonight. Let's go do that. I'm happy to be this with you and drive you all home safely. So a part that's always been part of building this brand is exactly that, is getting past that stigma, showing people that you can have a great time and not have to have alcohol. When you started the mm -hmm. business, what was the first thing you do in terms of making beer, making non-alcoholic beer? Uh, our business model is we own this piece of equipment. It's at a brewery. I had a bunch of uh, clients that owned breweries from the AB days. When AB got bought by InBev, a lot of people, that just scatters a lot of talent when those big corporate things happen. And one of my clients uh, had a brewery here in town at O'Fallon Brewery in Maryland Heights, Missouri. And so we hooked up and I said, I don't know anything about brewing beer, but I know there's people like me that if we could make a really good non-alcoholic beer, I really think there's a market here. And uh, he was like, yeah, I think you're right. He totally saw that the, the category had not been reinvented in such a long time. It was the same, whatever, tired, dusty choices, as we say. And we make fun of them now, but I drank them for years and years. So they, I have fond memories of them all. 
And then you had to get this equipment and it's an installation and the whole thing. And so by the time we got to the first beer, it was like, oh my goodness, it was a, it was an epic journey just to get to that first beer. But once we got there, it was like, great, this is great. This is going to be good. I know there's going to be people that are going to appreciate this. So in leading the company, what's your favorite part of your job? Uh, I'll tell you what, it's kept me connected to the people and meeting more of, and I call them my people, but it's people that are on this journey. You quit drinking a year ago and I, and we haven't even got, I don't know if you sh- want to share why or if that's a, a yeah. Yeah. More than happy to. I think similar to you, it just wasn't working for me. It really has a negative impact on my sleep. But I think the bigger thing is what we talked about earlier was I just wasn't being present. And I think that was really having an impact on me. I was working a lot as an entrepreneur and mm-hmm. having multiple businesses. I was finding it as something that I could technically, and I'm doing air quotes, relax with. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then it was ruining my sleep and I wasn't getting staying relaxed. Mm-hmm. So that's when I recognized I needed to make a change. And that's where I went out to try to find other good tasting non-alcoholic beverages mm-hmm. and recognize the market was a little bit scattered. And hence, that's where Foral Drinks came about. Awesome. And so that's funny. So you quit drinking. It wasn't working for you. And and it's not like you had a, a problem where you would say alcohol, alcoholism or anything. It's just like you're leading this fast paced life. You're working, you're busy and whatever's happening. It's just, it's not serving you anymore. Correct. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I think, and we'll can even chat about this is I think there's this really interesting discussion now of that spectrum. Of yeah. It's not like yeah. you don't drink or you drink, you yep. are an alcoholic or non-alcoholic. And I think there's a spectrum of how people redefine and their their relationship with alcohol. And I'm still in that process of doing that. I've definitely had drinks every so often. And each time I think about it, I'm like, it's not really doing very much for me. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I I agree. There's a whole spectrum out there of people and it's alcohol causes this little problem. Maybe this, it's just not, you're not, there's a whole thing of I'm not leading my best life. And this is this thing that's an easy thing where if I got rid of that, wow, all of these things would fall into place sleep, as you said, just being less stressed all the time, less anxiety, whatever that is. It's so interesting. And I I think that's the best part of my journey so far in this community is I've always been a guy in recovery. And then you just meet all these people that are into this. And then this business has led me to meet all these people that aren't drinking for all these other different reasons. And I think it's just, that's probably it to look at this and say, "We're, we're really doing some good, like societal good here. We are raising well-being, which is in our own little small way with the group that you have put together and that we're a part of. It's just, it's pretty cool. And and we spoke about this before the podcast. I run another company, Be Social Change, and Mm -hmm. the whole mission is helping people make their greatest impact through their career and lifestyle. And when you take a look at the social impact stats of alcohol, it's pretty crazy to think of the impact it has on domestic violence, on preventable diseases and health and so many aspects of of society that it's Mm -hmm. not serving so many areas in the world. And that's why I think about work that you're doing, work that For All Drinks is doing is really having a positive social impact on individuals, on society and the world as a whole. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. And and I never want to feel like we're demonizing alcohol or or and anything like that because I was in the business for a long time and I my wife drinks and I, people who can have ha, do it and it doesn't affect them awesome and there's nothing I I'm fully supportive. We want to be your third beer. We want to be your nightcap. However we can be a roller or whatever. But I do think 
in general, I thought that even that group that's going to reset the U.S. dietary guidelines, where they said, hey, remember when we said, you know, one drink a day was healthy for you or whatever, we're kind of start looking at that again, because it turns out we can't find any way that any alcohol is healthy. And there's all these problems it causes. You're absolutely right. I think that it's just moving in this direction of, wow, what else? Yeah. And I think the other thing for me in terms of ice and redefining what it is, both in my life, but also just kind of society, I think of it more accurately from a kind of, I guess you could say biological standpoint, mm -hmm. like a drug in the same way that ayahuasca or some mm -hmm. other kind of elements of it. Mm -hmm. And there might be a place for it in certain circumstances, mm -hmm. but I don't think about it as being good for me in consuming it on a regular basis. Yeah. For, for that same reason you pointed out in terms of the study, recent study saying, I don't know if all, any alcohol is good for you. I know. It's really surprising. And we've been hearing this for years. We've I've met lots of people who have been predicting this for years. And being in the alcohol industry, I'm like, I don't think so. I don't think that's going to happen. And then COVID hits and drinking goes up. And I'm like, look, this, see, everyone. But even that has started to taper off. And even that, you just start to see, oh, yeah, you don't need to be drinking alcohol all the time. I think if more and more people just examine the role alcohol plays in their lives, that's it. And I think that's happened. I really think the, the biggest change that I have seen is from before 2016 or whatever that was, it was just mindless drinking and no one questioned it. No one questioned it. And now I think if people just start looking at their own lives as you did a year ago and you're like, hey, <laughs> this might not be working for me. And your solution is to was to abstain completely or was it to taper off or what did you, how did you do it? I think I, I started off with just pretty much um, abstaining, but I think the challenge and why for all drinks really emerged was because there weren't a couple things. There weren't really good non-alcoholic alcoholic options that I knew of. Sure. They weren't really easily accessible. Yep. And then there's that social element, which is I love making drinks for people. Ah. It is my, it's one of my, wow. I love cooking for people and yeah, making yeah. drinks for people. It's one of my favorite things in the world. When That's I awesome. go to a party, mm -hmm. I raid the fridge and uh -huh. cabinets to see what ingredients are there. And I would make all these yeah. crazy concoctions and I would just love serving people. I wouldn't even really be drinking it. I just love yeah. that. So, so you, because, you're, you're that guy. You must, yeah. you must have had a background in something. Did you just know how to do that? or you just I, That's it? how I cook. I just, that's how I cook. I just pull it all together. That's and awesome. there's some really good things that I would make. And I felt like there was a piece of my life missing when mm -hmm. I decided to just stop drinking. Yeah. And I think that's where I saw there was an opportunity for using all the stuff that I've done in my previous background and with these social change to try to create this community and these resources for people. Because I think when you mentioned about people re-examining their relationship and going on that path, mm -hmm. having lots of options as a substitute for that habit or that ritual is hugely important Huge, because it needs to also be able to ha have be a positive experience in drinking and being able to socialize with people. Totally. And I think the biggest fear I had and everyone, all, all the people who make it to recovery, certainly, but even people who are thinking about quitting is I'm not going to have fun anymore. There is a real fear that the fun's over. I got to stop. I did something wrong. And now I got to live this way. And it's going to be sad. And I'm going to be just not that fun. And it's just couldn't be further from the truth. And yet it's a super legitimate fear. And exactly what you just said, if you can say, look at this, I, you can go to a party now and make an awesome, all the things you like to do and just you're present. It's a better experience for everyone. Yeah. Which and even and one of the things you're making me think about as we're talking about alcohol and non-alcoholic beverages, and one of the things that consumers I think are a little still 
confused about mm -hmm. is that I don't think they recognize that you're making is craft beer versus you no know, tools. Yeah. And there's a price point to issue because to Dude. a certain extent, because people <laughs> sometimes think that they're expensive, mm -hmm. but they don't recognize what goes into that. And then the other side of it is that people equate value with the amount of alcohol that's in the product. So right? true. And that's product. not necessarily <laughs> true. <laughs> that is, those are two really good points. Yes, we make craft beer. So uh, the reason our beer is good is that, yes, the, the way we brew it and the technology we use is world-class, but the beer is really good to start with. And I think that's a huge part of this. I, I joke that this IPA we did, and it's the most expensive NA beer ever made. I can honestly say no one's putting more money and time into this damn product than we are, but you can taste it. And, and it's, it's, uh, it's, I don't think it's any more on shelf than what a normal craft premium beer would cost. But yeah, it's a whole, you got to brew the whole thing just like you would. Then you got to take this whole other step of removing the alcohol, no matter how you're doing it. However, anyone's doing this product, they're doing a whole extra step to figure out how to get the alcohol off if they've created any. And that's why it's expensive. And then it's really good stuff to begin with. I hope when you taste it, you're like, oh yeah, I could taste how good this is. I think that's the really unique opportunity with NA beer as wine and spirits is that people have very low expectations. Yeah. <laughs> and then they taste it and they're like, whoa, I didn't know this existed. And this yeah. has been the case with so many of my friends and people I've been connecting with. Mm -hmm. The challenge is actually getting it in people's hands and mouths. Yep. Uh, always. And I, you're, I think going back, you asked this question earlier about just the marketing and, and I think sampling was huge. We had to go out and just try get it into people's hands you got to let people taste how good this stuff is because they don't believe you and if and odules is the the blessing and the curse of this industry it's been around forever everyone knows that it's in everywhere and yet it's they would even admit it just was not brewed to be this awesome tasting thing that's just not what they ever set out to make but yeah i'm with you i have i, I am curious so you've probably tasted more stuff than i have outside the beer category and I was wondering, have you tasted any good wines? I was not a wine drinker, but I was, I've was. i always wanted to just have a good glass of wine because I've never had one in my entire life. Has there any de-alcoholized wine you've had that's any good? Yeah, so I'll say a couple things. One, unfortunately, I haven't had that many beers because I'm gluten intolerant. Oh. And so there's only a few that, that, you can, I've, yeah. that I have. That being said, I yep. do want to start tasting them. It's not a big deal, so I'm going to be tasting them. In terms of wine, yeah, Hill Street uh, Beverage Company. Mm -hmm by far is the best tasting that I've had. It's okay. really good. I'll have to um, taste that. Bonafide zero. So you were a cocktail zero. guy, it sounds like. Yeah. And then Liars has been great. And as we, this is going to one of the first episodes of Four All Drinks, I'm sure there's going to be many more that emerge. But yeah, yeah. the thing that's interesting with Liars is they just have a, a line of lots and lots of products. Okay. So my favorite is a Negroni, that drink, and they okay. have a lot of really delicious individual sets of of products to make all these mm -hmm. cocktails. That episode definitely listen to okay. because they get into the science of it, the, oh, the cool. founder, yeah, and yeah. they did some really amazing work in trying to be able to figure out, not trying to create a spirit that is somewhat like it, but to literally replace the back bar of of spirits but with wow. the non-alcoholic versions and they they pulled it off that's great it's funny you hear the the same thing with the guy who did impossible meat i don't want to make 
a substitute. I want to make something this good. And I think we all started there. I want to make an IPA where people will drink it and be confused. And that's just so good. And the same thing with these spirits, guys. That's great. Just like we don't want to we're not we don't want to make something like this. We want it to be able to replace it. That's awesome. And I think you pointed out something important is that there may be people that still drink, Mm -hmm. but you could be the third and fourth and fifth beer or people might have a Negroni, but then they substitute one of the possible ingredients for the normal Negroni, drinking less alcohol, or they have one with alcohol and and then they can have a a liars or something else. So I think that's Mm -hmm. what's really unique in terms of where non-alcoholic beverages can fit into so many different situations. That is, that's it right there. And that's probably where the most market is out there for us is just everybody who is, it's a night, it's Wednesday, they have two IPAs and everyone I know who drinks, I can't drink the third IPA. They're like, it's too much alcohol. And then you switch to ours. That seems to be the place where I didn't know if that would be the thing that happened, but that I think is the part where this market's really going to grow is just everybody who drinks alcohol is going to surf them back and forth, which is great. So where do you see well-being growing and going in the next year or two? We're obviously looking to just grow uh, our brand and grow our production and grow our wholesalers and just do it as thoughtfully as we can and making really good quality products. So that's always a challenge. The manufacturing side of the business is a whole nother issue, a whole nother thing to to uh, make these things. So we hope to continue that. And then I hope next year we're looking at a couple new products, which will be fun. It's always fun to launch those things. And we're looking at just different places to expand into as far as just places that we can make the products at. So that's exciting. As a moment in time to think about the two things that I love, this out loud recovery and this whole idea of drinking less and mindful drinking movement and all of that you have are also tapped into, as well as just the business of making non-alcoholic beer and these NA drinks and putting those two things together. I, I think beyond just helping pe- the world drink a little more, it's helping people on this path to well-being. As silly as that sounds, but that's literally where I think this brand hopefully can go. And what we can stand for in this movement is I want to help people on the journey, man. I really do. And it's this idea of health and wellness and just living your best life and all the things you talked about. It's really important for that. And as a moment in time, just where it feels like 2020 is the year where we need more of that, right? My goodness. So hopefully that's where we're going in the next couple of years. I think you were pointing out in terms of just like where the non-alcoholic beverage movement is going, yeah. relating to helping people lead their best lives. This NA beverages is growing as part of just people's normal day life. It seems like it's going to get bigger and bigger. But I think, yeah, we're just at the beginning of it. It's hard to argue for the status quo to continue when there's so many things that we've learned about it. When people stop for dry January. They're like, I just quit. And then I did it for dry January. And then I just didn't go back. And it's, yeah, I can see that. So anyway, hopefully we can continue that. Bringing people to the light side or the dark side, as it were, whatever, whatever (laughs) that is. I love waking up in the mornings and being awake and not feeling hungover. That's a great feeling to have. Yeah. And we, we all get there, but yeah, it's, I think it's such a positive choice now. I think the stigma that used to come with not drinking is not there. And I think movements that you're a part of and creating, it's making it such a positive choice. It puts a smile on your face. And that's a real market shift from I did something wrong, I need to stop to, man, I don't, I love this life that I've done just by, by giving this up. So yeah, it's awesome. 
Awesome. Thank you so much, Jeff, for sharing your story, all the amazing work that you're doing, both in the non-alcoholic beverage space, but also helping people on their journey to well-being. Oh, man. Thanks, Marcos. And, and thank you. It's so nice to meet you. I'm so uh, proud of what you're doing and happy for you. And yeah, any support? We're on. Uh, we're on, in the middle of the boat with you, brother. Thanks so much for joining me today. I hope you feel inspired by Jeff's story and are excited about tasting the variety of delicious non-alcoholic beers and CBD sparkling waters that Wellbeing produces. If you're subscribed to the show, thanks for being part of the For All Drinks community. I'd be super grateful if you can take a moment to leave me a rating if you enjoyed this episode and the podcast. If you're not a subscriber yet, be sure to subscribe to this and all the other episodes of the podcast to start discovering more delicious non-alcoholic drinks. Lastly, visit foralldrinks.com for show notes to this episode and sign up for our newsletter to get the latest non-alcoholic beverage news, special giveaways, discounts, and more. Here's to drinking healthy, inclusively, and different. See you all next week.